travel enthusiasts, welcome to the UC Places Travel Podcast. UC Places is your personal tour guide app available on both Android and iPhone. I'm Mary. I'm Shelly. And we work for UC Places. We do, and we love it. We do. It's true. (laughs) And we are honored to have a special guest today. Very special. We brought on Aaron Killian. He is a beer... No, I'm kidding. It's Killian Beer, right? <laughs> beer enthusiast. I'd say he's a beer enthusiast. His great, great, great grandfather. No, all of that's a lie. Oh, the Killian's Irish Red Beer. Yes. Okay. Which is really good, but this has nothing no. to do with with our Aaron. Our Aaron has partnered with UC Places to provide expert level content in our UC Places audio tours. He also is the founder of Historic America. So let's bring him on. Aaron, how's it going? It's going well. It's excellent to be here today, ladies. Thank you for having me. And though I am not heir to the Killian's Irish Red fortune, I do have a beer buzz going right now. And it is, <laughs> what time is it right now? It's like uh, 11.30. 11.30? Beer, beer 30. You need something to keep you company on that ride all the way out here to Vienna. Yeah. So figured the beer buzz was the best thing. <laughs> oh, for, absolutely. For mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Your secret's safe with us. Mm-hmm. Great. We will Nobody's tell- listening to this, right? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. right, right. Well, like our parents and possibly your <laughs> wife and Yuri, are you out there? Are you listening? No, I'm kidding. We are definitely getting quite the following, which is pretty fun. Wonderful. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the bearded Aaron. And first question I want to ask you is tell us about yourself. Although that's not a question. Aaron, would you like to tell us about yourself? I'd love to. It's okay. my favorite topic. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Name is Aaron Killian, as has already been alluded to, and uh, I run a tour company called Historic America based out of Washington, D.C., and uh, we specialize in tours that focus on American history, and we use a multi-sensory dynamic presentation to enliven our tours when we're taking guests around. So that's what the uh, the day job is, and it's what my passion is. And then I find myself in D.C. because I went to school at American University, and I graduated all the way back in 2005, if, uh, if memory recalls. And then uh, I just stayed in D.C. after I graduated. And then a number of years ago, I got into the tour guiding business uh, because I found out you can get paid to talk American history with people, which wow. is uh, absolutely amazing. It's like working at a unicorn farm. So when I found that gig, I, I clung to it like grim death. And uh, not only do I do tour guide work as an independent contractor, now, as I mentioned, my real passion is uh, is running my own tour company, which has been a real joy. And I'm wondering what it means to take a multi-sensory experience. Ooh, 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 ooh. Let me insert, can oh. I? Because I took one of your Yes, you did. You I did. did on a chilly, chilly cold day. I don't know what, December. I, don't, I just remember it was cold. We were it's, very bundled up. It starts off with a massage. It does, <laughs> does it? Because we skipped that. Dang it. Uh, we did the um, Music and Murals, the Indeed. U Street. What's the exact name of it? Uh, yeah, our Music and Murals tour. Music and Murals, thank you. And we tasted something that you had brought. What was that? Do you even remember? Uh, we had, uh, there's a couple things that you taste on that one. In particular, uh, Mambo Sauce yes, is a that's very right. Distinctive DC specific flavor. Yes. So we have you uh, taste that on tour. I enjoyed that. I always wondered what DC tasted like. <laughs> Mambo sauce. <laughs> the popsicle stick is exactly what it is. Um, but also the music of it. And, you know, I can't help but talk about myself sometimes. I need to brag. We did a game show where the beginnings of a, of a song was played. They were Marvin Gaye songs because we looked at a mural. Yes, that's right. Name that tune. Name that tune. And I killed it. Yes, I got to say. You did. The person I was up against, <laughs> I, I crushed her. It was Brenda. Mm-hmm. I crushed Brenda at this name that tune. I just no, but Brenda had it coming. That look on her face. <laughs> oh, you just want to wipe it off. <laughs> no, yeah. She gave up at the end. She's like, I don't know, because two notes in, and I'm like, 
Mm-hmm. Heard it through the grapevine, you yeah. know. I just I'm too good and at that. The, and there was there was a couple multi sensory elements on that one. Not only were you listening to the audio, but uh, remember you had a cowbell that you could ring in on. Oh, I love that. And cowbell. the cowbell is, of course, uh, one of the foundational instruments in go-go music, which is a very specific DC type of music. So yeah, there was there was a lot of, of synergy at that yes. stop as far as the multi sensory stuff goes. Yeah. So you do you provide fantastic multi sensory tours in DC. Thank you very much. So, Aaron, now let's turn it toward the UC Places tours that mm-hmm. you are making. Specifically, the one we want to talk about today is the National Mall Tour, because I took that one. And just like people are hearing right now, your voice is like butter. <laughs> see? See? That's kind of you. Uh-huh. I've been told uh, that I sound like Jeff Goldblum uh, when I yes. talk. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, like, to give people from a the visual. Fly? Uh, well, Jurassic Park. There you well, go. Well, no, I know, but he was in the fly. He was in the fly. fly. So he didn't voice... end that well for Jeff Goldblum didn't. in the fly. So is your voice like the fly voice or? Um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, he morphs into a fly at mm-hmm. the end and his voice changes, right? So at which the end one of is the, it? That film. Probably the, the Jurassic Park okay. voice. Because well, about... he's really cool in that movie. Mm-hmm. Then, you know? stick with the cool <laughs> voice. He's the chaotician, yes. right? Isn't that his, uh, his, his field chaotician. of endeavor? <laughs> Whatever yeah. that he's means. He's chaos. Uh-huh. He's... Uh-huh. When my wife and I had our first date, I told her that people often think I sound like Jeff Goldblum. And then she couldn't stop laughing for the next 15 minutes. Because whatever I'd say then, she would imagine like it was Like, it's Jeff him, Goldblum. it's him. <laughs> oh yeah, so, so that'll help the listeners to, like, if they want a visual to connect with my voice, just think of Jeff Goldblum, even though I don't really look like him. But right. if they, well, they're if they not going to see you anyway, because they're taking an audio tour. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of perfect. Exactly. So tell us about the National Mall. Again, um, I took that tour. I am amazed at how much good, interesting, fun information you were able to put mm-hmm. into an audio tour. Thanks for the uh, the compliment. I appreciate it. The National Mall, people recognize the National Mall even if they've never been to Washington, D.C., because it is studded with any number of famous monuments and memorials and museums that people recognize because they've seen them on television or they've seen them in books. Uh, and so the National Mall tour It's like getting to do a tour of sort of America's Hall of Fame, right? Because there's so many interesting things that can take you on a real journey through our past. So our National Mall Tour begins on the old portion of the mall, which is the stretch of the mall that is between the Washington Monument and the Capitol Building, where we keep all the Smithsonian museums. And then it ends on the quote-unquote new portion of the National Mall, which is down at the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, And then in between, you experience all sorts of fascinating sites like the World War II Memorial, the White House, uh, Washington Monument. Uh, It's a great tour. And it's a tour where if you're coming to Washington, D.C., and you really want to experience those iconic sites, then you can't go wrong with a National Mall tour. Also, I would say that most tourists, they know what the building looks like. They might not know the name of the building even, much less information about it. One of the buildings that you have in this tour that I really didn't know a lot about as far as the architecture was the Museum of African American History and Culture. So what's What's like the symbolism there in that building? What does it look like? Sure. The uh, National Museum of African American History and Culture, it is fronted with this uh, bronze work. It's made to resemble ironwork that you would see in a lot of famous southern cities like Charleston, uh, New Orleans, Savannah, right? And you you see these row houses with this very ornate ironwork that decorates the front of the house. And oftentimes in those antebellum houses and antebellum mansions that are adorned with this ironwork, that ironwork was done by enslaved persons, uh, African-American persons. And so when they wanted to create an interesting fronting for the African-American museum, they thought, well, why don't we pay homage to those workers? And so that's why you see that very ornate sort of bronze work out front. Uh, and then also... What you have is three tiers 
on the exterior, uh, or at least it looks like three tiers on the exterior of the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And the uh, the deal is with those tiers is they're stacked to resemble a crown. There was this tribe in Africa, still is, called the Yoruba tribe. And the Yoruba tribe was a tribe that was very heavily uh, sort of pillaged in terms of uh, men and women being taken from the tribes and sold into slavery. And so they wanted to make the exterior of the museum resemble that crown that uh, was worn by members of the Yoruba tribe. And then also the upward thrust of the building, it's supposed to resemble hands being lifted in prayer. And uh, the church is such a fundamental part of the African-American experience going back to the very beginning uh, of the African-American experience. So there's a lot that's going on with the exterior of the building. Yeah, listeners, raise your hand if you knew even one-fourth of that. (laughs) (laughs) To me, that gives the building life. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the building itself, not to mention all the amazing things inside, just the building itself. It gives it purpose. It gives it meaning. It gives it life. And I love that you were able to to get that information out to people. It's so cool. The other thing, too, uh, I've forgotten to mention is the building itself, it's darker in color. Right, you look at the exterior of the building, and you notice that it's uh, it's much darker than what you see with the other buildings that yeah. surround it. Right, you look at the Commerce Department building or the American History Museum; they're all made of lighter stone, marble and granite, uh, Indiana limestone, that type of thing. But the darker color of the African American Museum is supposed to suggest that well, a building doesn't need to be light in order to be beautiful. Right, uh, a darker yes. color can, in and of itself, be beautiful, uh, right. and that's another sort of subliminal statement that's being made as well. Right, love it. So another building on this tour is a building that I know I've driven by numerous times. Anyone who goes into D.C., I'm sure, drives by it, and people tend to not know what it is. It's just a super old, small, like, gray stone. Sort of nondescript in a way. I mean, it looks old, but it's just Mm -hmm. there. And no one really knows what it is. At least I didn't for the longest time. Turns out it is the lock keeper's house. And back in the day, it was smelly. And so we're not talking about lock and key here. No, different uh, etymology, I guess you could say, of the <laughs> okay. of the word. So the deal is the lockkeeper's house exists at the corner of Constitution Avenue and 17th Street, Northwest. And Constitution Avenue used to be a canal way back when, in the uh, early to mid-1800s, even into the late 1800s. It was a canal, so there wasn't an actual paved road there. So the gate system that allowed you access to the canal, those gates were called locks. Uh, maybe if anybody's visited a canal, you know, in the modern day, maybe they've gone through, you know, the Panama Canal on a cruise, right? You go through the locks in the Panama Canal. I grew up in a place near uh, Lockport, New York. Oh, interesting. Erie Canal. Erie Canal, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Isn't there a, a song? There sure is. is it, how many miles? 15, 16? Miles on the Erie Canal. Yeah, that's, well, it's called, uh, the, I think the specific name of that song is Low Bridge. Ah, Low Bridge. Everyone, yes. Yeah, Low Bridge, Everybody Down. Exactly, right? Is that the song you play on the Yeah, and we, we include that song on the tour as well as you're progressing from one stop to another. We give you uh, a little audio accompaniment there in the form of music. And you may sing along. Absolutely. I did, and actually, did as well. We mm-hmm. both sing Well, it's along. funny. It's probably the only canal song out there. Well, I think the deal is with a lot of those old folk songs, they used to teach those songs to kids in school. Yeah. Uh, I think I, we might have gotten away from that a little bit, but that was a song. I mean, I know my mother used to sing it because mm-hmm. she was taught it in school. Then mm-hmm. they taught her how to, you know, square dance, too. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that references sort of a bygone era in education. Actually, in sixth grade in 1985, thank you, dating myself, um, for PE on Wednesdays, and I specifically remember this, we took square dancing. Okay. 
So yeah, there we took you some go as well. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry to go no, way no, off topic. Okay. Bow to your partner. Lockkeepers. Bow to your corner. Yeah, bow, bow to your corner. <laughs> Do-si-do and all those mm-hmm. fun things. All right, Lockkeeper's House. Sorry, go right ahead. Yes. So Lockkeeper's House, corner of 17th and Constitution. The locks were the gates that allowed you access to the canal system. And the man who was responsible for opening and closing those gates was the lockkeeper. And he lived in the lockkeeper's house, which, as I said, right there at 17th and Constitution. So nowadays, it's kind of an anachronism. It's this tiny little house that still exists and harkens back to an era gone by. Uh, and supposedly the lockkeeper lived in that house with his wife and seven children. No. Yeah, it depends on the tour guide that you're talking with. Though. Lots of times uh, the tour guides like to embellish and say he lived in the house with his wife and 19 kids, a velociraptor, <laughs> and uh, you know a chicken and a you know African water buffalo. Uh-huh. But uh, to our best guess, right, it was probably around seven kids or so. Can I uh, throw this out there? I also have seven kids, true story. And sometimes it does feel like there's a velociraptor running around. <laughs> and that there's 19 of them. No, sure. for sure. Yeah, and so. it always feels like the place isn't big enough. I hope that your house, though, isn't as smelly as the lockkeeper's house used to be. Because the, the deal is, is that the reason that Shelly mentioned the lockkeeper's house was smelly, it wasn't that the house itself was bad. It's just the canal back then when it was built, there was no sewage system in D.C. So people used the canal as the sewer, right? This dumping ground where they could throw all their unwanted stuff. So if you had a dead cat or, uh, you know, rotten food, or, I don't know, maybe an unwanted neighbor that you wanted to bludgeon over the head and push into the canal, right? <laughs> it was notoriously stinky and a breeding ground for disease. And uh, it's something we like to uh, have people sort of envision in their nose when they take the tours, tell them how smelly it would have been around there. When you take people on a, just a regular Historic America tour, when you get to the Lockkeeper's Canal, do you open up like a bag of rotten trash for the multi-sensory? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I break wind at the ah, stop. perfect. Yes, no, perfect. I, <laughs> on cue. On cue. So it's, a, it's a skill I've cultivated. Uh, no, we actually have a we have a candle. It's we have full a, service at Historic yeah, America, yeah. everybody. Uh, we have a candle uh, that we ordered from this company. I, I kid you not. There's a there's a company out there called the Stinky Candle Company. Oh my god. Uh, maybe they could be a sponsor of this show. Uh, I'm going to call them out. And then yeah. they they made this candle called Fart. Uh, and so we thought that would be a, a good way to bring the smell onto the tour. And But the, the only problem is, is that we, that candle has to be very well contained or else yeah. that smell is going to leak out and permeate the rest of the, the tour. The FBI so, shows yeah, up. Well, we've yeah. got it in a few Ziploc bags and it takes a little while to get to it. But then That's when you funny. bring it out, it's worth it. It's worth, <laughs> worth the smell. Mm-hmm. That's I brilliant. Hope, I hope they weren't also using that canal for their drinking water. <laughs> no, no. Well, the uh, most of the time you'd get your your drinking water out of uh, Tiber Creek, which was the creek that ran sort of through the uh, the White House area and then fed into the canal. Or you could go out to the the mighty Potomac River and get your water there. But still, you know, they didn't know about water purification or anything mm. like that back then. So you hence know, all the bodies floating in the canal. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Exactly, it's pretty unsanitary stuff. Wow! Yikes. I would love to move on a little bit. This monument we want to talk about next, everybody recognizes it. It would be the Lincoln Memorial. And I know there's a lot of myths that go along with that. Anything you want to clear up there? Sure. Uh, One of my favorite myths that people ask uh, with some regularity, it's about Abraham Lincoln's hands. They think that his hands are significant, that they're supposed to spell out the letters A and L in American Sign Language. And uh, they don't. That's a myth. But 
the reason that his hands are arranged the way they are, one of Abraham Lincoln's hands, as you see in the statue that's in the Lincoln Memorial, is clenched, and then another one is open. And the clenched hand is supposed to signify that he was a strong wartime president. And then the hand that is open and relaxed means that at the end of the war, he wanted to welcome the rebellious southern states back into the Union as though they were wayward brothers and sisters, not conquered enemies. So that is the symbolism behind his hands, but you know, through that game of sort of historical telephone, when mm-hmm. a story gets told at right. one point, then it gets perpetuated— the myth has developed that his hands are significant to American Sign Language. And uh, it's just not true. It's fun, though. It does make for a good story. It is. Debunked, right? (laughs) There's another one, too, where um, supposedly uh, Robert E. Lee's face is carved into the back of Abraham Lincoln's head. I mean, that'd be a little weird. (laughs) It would be a little weird. Well, if you look on a map, uh, and you can even see it from the memorial, the Abraham Lincoln Memorial is positioned right beside the Potomac River. And then on the direct opposite side of the Potomac River from the memorial is Arlington National Cemetery. And it's centered around Robert E. Lee's mansion, right? Arlington House. And so they specifically connected the Lincoln Memorial with Robert E. Lee's mansion by building a bridge on that stretch of the Potomac, right, that connects Lincoln's memorial with Lee's mansion. And it was supposed to be the symbol of reunification in the wake of the Civil War. And then, again, through that game of historical telephone, somebody perpetuated this notion that, oh, and you know what they also did is they carved Robert E. Lee's profile into the back of Lincoln's head to show that Robert E. Lee was always uh, at the back of Lincoln's mind (laughs) during the Civil War, which is a great untrue story. But, you know, the the myth continues. (laughs) Okay, moving on. And by the way, just interviewing you, I think, shows people how much knowledge you have and how fun it is to learn these things. I think there's nothing that Aaron doesn't know. Well, I want to take the in-person tour. I mean, I love the UC Places tour, but mm-hmm. I also want to take the in-person tour so I can smell that stink candle. Yeah, right. I'm, all about, I'm all about the stink candle. No, it's, uh, I thank you for uh, the comment about my wealth of knowledge. The uh, The deal is, is that when I was growing up, I always had a mind for useless knowledge. I was always love devastating it. at Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> and my father would often say, why can't you turn that mind towards something useful, Aaron, like engineering yep. or mathematics? And I'm like, no, I just want to rule at pub trivia, Dad. And so finding this job is great because now there's a way where you can take that that useless knowledge that rattles around in your head and uh, apply it towards something useful. And mm-hmm. you can still go to the pub and get your free beer at the yeah, end because you exactly. won. Uh, let's move on to another stop on the UC Places tour that you've created for us. The Blair House. Sure. Now, this stop, it's actually connected with another tour that we've done with two tours. We have the National Mall Tour, and then we have the President's Neighborhood Tour, which centers around the area surrounding the White House. So on our President's Neighborhood Tour, the Blair House is a great stop. It's right at the top of the tour because uh, the Blair House is the presidential guest house. So when the president has a foreign head of state visiting, that's where the foreign head of state stays, is inside Blair House. And it's also well-known because when the president-elect is uh, arriving in Washington, D.C. prior to the inaugural ceremony. That's their guest house. That is where they're kept while the sitting president sort of gets ready to vacate the White House. The president-elect stays in Blair House. So it's a pretty well-known house for people that follow American politics. Any scandalous stories or anything from sure. there? Oh, yeah, the, the one I like the best is the reason it was created had to do with Winston Churchill and World War II. So during World War II, Churchill comes to D.C. on multiple occasions to confer with FDR to talk war strategy. And Churchill was famously a pretty heavy drinker, right? He was known for putting away a bottle of champagne a day. Nice. Uh, and right, good for Winston. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Also, he wanted to, not necessarily strong arm, but he really wanted to influence FDR's decision-making to the benefit of Great Britain as much as he could. And it's, you know, it's Churchill's job. He's the prime minister of Great Britain. So anyway, 
Eleanor Roosevelt, FDR's wife, notices that Churchill might be abusing the privilege of being so close to the president. Because at that point, uh, foreign heads of state, they stayed in the White House. And so Eleanor Roosevelt got hip to the fact that maybe there should be a little more distance between FDR and Churchill. So she came to suggest, why don't we convert Blair House, which is, you know, just a block away from the White House, why don't we convert that into the presidential guest house? And that way there can be a little bit more distance between not just FDR and Churchill, but between the presidents and future heads of state as well. And then supposedly the straw that breaks the camel's back is we talked about drinking. Once Churchill would come to visit, FDR would try and keep up with Churchill's oh, drinking, no. you know, after the meetings were done for the day, you know, they'd hit their cups, mm-hmm. uh, they'd go into their cups. And so uh, it was said that, you know, after Churchill left, FDR would have to recover for, you know, two, three days afterwards because they'd just gone after it so hard. And supposedly after one of these nights uh, where they really hit it hard, that Winston Churchill passed out on a couch there in the White House and all he was wearing was a robe that spilled open. Oh, and no. then Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, like, comes downstairs in the morning and sees Winston Churchill and decides, that's it, (laughs) right? It's either him or me, FDR. He's got to go. So I don't know if that story is apocryphal or not, but it's certainly been passed down through uh, DC lore. I'm saying truth on that. (laughs) Boy, I I want it to be true. (laughs) Let's just say it is. Let's just pass Mm -hmm. it on. It's also a great visual for people trying to write, Mm -hmm. you know, really uh, put themselves in a historical time and space, right? Try getting that out of your head. Yeah, I'm just thinking the uh, White House flag was flying at half-mast that day. Anyway, Aaron, are there any more stops on this tour that really stand out to you that you're like, I want to talk about it? Because uh, there's some amazing stuff in there. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, if you talk about things that are going on currently at the intersection of 16th Street and H, uh, that's now Black Lives Matter Plaza, yes. I believe. Yeah. Right there at that intersection is where St. John's Episcopal Church is located, which has appeared on the news um, numerous times during the course of the you know the current tumult in Washington, D.C. with protests and whatnot. Uh, and so we talk about St. John's Church. We talk about the fact that it's the Church of Presidents. Uh, Every president since James Madison has at least attended one worship service there. So St. John's has a really cool history. We talk about the Dolly Madison house. Dolly Madison, wife of James Madison. She lived in that house after she came back to Washington, D.C. in the waning years of her life. She was a great entertainer. She uh, she loved to throw parties. And so she'd throw parties in the house and they were referred to as squeezes because if you went to a Dolly Madison party, people had to squeeze in because they were so popular. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, so we talk about Dolly's parties. We talk about the Treasury Department on that tour and the birth of the Secret Service, because uh, the Secret Service, when it was born, they were born as an organization not to protect the president. They were created to stop counterfeiters from producing bad money. Uh, and that's why they were located in the Treasury Department. And then later on, they would come to protect the president as well. So we talk about all these fun stories. And towards the end of the tour, we duck into the old Ebbett Grill, and you can see all the animal heads on the wall that were supposedly killed by Theodore Roosevelt on different big game hunts. So there's a lot of uh, uh, fun sort of presidential ephemera on the tour. And ephemera is such a great Scrabble word. Yes, indeed. If you can hook it on to the triple word score, or if you start out with it on the star that doubles the word score, you're still doing pretty well. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Don't you have to know how to spell it though? You do. That's handy. I'd be kind of toast on that then. Like (laughs) two Fs, silent E, and a P. I I know. Are there any of those in there? No, I'm I'm not going to tell you how it's spelled because I want to win when we play Scrabble next, which I think is is part of this podcast, right? It it doesn't make for good audio listening, but it's fun for us, right? The participants. As long as we're having fun. Yeah, Mm -hmm. when we sign off, it's going to be Scrabble to the death. That's what we're doing. (laughs) Terrific. 
Should we get back to the tour? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, we are going to need to be wrapping it up pretty soon. We're running out of time, although I could literally sit here and listen to Aaron forever. So I'm hoping that we can get him back on the show. I'm saying him, Liz, if you're not in the room, um, get you back <laughs> on the show. Once again, you are one of our expert-level content producers for our UC Places audio tours. Why don't you talk just for a minute or so about the relationship that we have now as far as UC Places and what's going to be happening going forward with UC Places and Historic America? Yeah, no, it's very exciting for us. Uh, UC Places kind of came to us at just the right time uh, with all of the lockdown-related stuff that's going on right now. We wanted to really embark on other projects that we hadn't you know, been able to tackle yet. And then when we connected with UC Places and there came this opportunity to create audio tours, it was a sort of perfect marriage of uh, you know vision and moment. And so when we talked with Yuri about creating these tours and the, the ideas that we had for them, he was so super supportive. And we came up with this great menu of tours that we wanted to create. And now that we're in the process of rolling them out with the President's Neighborhood and National Mall and others that we're going to talk about uh, going forward, it's, it's really exciting for us. And it's also fun to take all of the, the knowledge that we have at Historic America and distill it down into, you know, a, a kind of a different format to do something different with it that's really exciting for us. And the notion that you can take one of our tours without one of us actually being there, but still getting all all of that interest and that fascination and that great storytelling, that's something that we're really enthused about. And the opportunity to uh, branch out beyond D.C. and tell stories that uh, happen in other great American locations, too, that's something we've got an eye towards. And Yeah, where the, are we going with that now? Yeah, well, I know, well, Historic America, we're sort of focused right now on kind of that mid-Atlantic corridor where they keep a lot of American history, right? Yes. You know, New York, D.C., Philadelphia, Revolutionary War, Civil War, the presidency, politics, all that great stuff. A lot of that is in this next the woods. And so we want to focus on that area because it's it's sort of our uh, bread and butter. And uh, my business partner, Rachel, and I, we're professional tour guides and, and we kind of cut our teeth learning how to do tours in these great American cities, right, that exist in this part of the country. Uh, and so it's an area that we're really passionate about. And I, I grew up in New Jersey, too. So, you know, that sort of swath of land between Boston and D.C., that, that mid-Atlantic kind of megalopolis area where you have uh, a lot of our population centered and a lot of our history kept, um, that's an area that's really interesting for us to, you know, do our work in. I love That's it. That's great. All right, Aaron, before we go, it is time for you to give us all the plugs. Sure, shameless plug time. Um, <laughs> if you want to take one of our multi-sensory in-person tours. I don't want to say a traditional tour because we like to think that the tours are dynamic and, and non-traditional in a fun way. Yes, so if you want to are. take one of our traditional tours where you get to be led around by a tour guide and experience a tour unlike any other, uh, go to www.historicamerica.org and you can peruse our list uh, of tours and we'd be excited to have you. Going forward, the other projects that we're working on right now, we want to release a podcast in the near future and get uh, involved in that game. And then we are uh, have ideas about a video series that we'll be launching on YouTube. So we get some irons in the fire. And then finally, one last thing, it's not necessarily a plug that I want to make, just sort of a thought that I wanted to leave the audience with, is that there is a lot going on in the country right now, regardless of where you fall sort of on the spectrum, that makes you feel uh, sort of distressed about the country, right? Uh, Distressed about where the country is going uh, might make you feel upset about where the country has been and that there's a lot out there that is upsetting in terms of how Americans sort of relate to their country and how they feel about their country right now. And one of the things that is very important for us at Historic America is that we want to tell a story that helps to affirm for people that they live in a good country, 
uh, and with a good story and a good history. Now, that's not to say that the history is not complicated and it's not uh, something that you have to confront sometimes and grapple with. That is certainly part of American history. But that, like Dr. King said, that, you know, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. That's, I think, key to understanding the American story, that it's a complex story, it's a long story, and it bends toward justice. And when you get done with a historic America tour, I want people to feel that, you know, they have taken a real journey, that they understand their country's story better and that they understand themselves better because they're Americans and that it's a story that they can really tap into and and own and come to really appreciate. Uh, so if we can do that in some small way at Historic America, I think we've succeeded. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful. Very nice. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, you're, us, you're welcome. Yeah, you know, it's something, it's, it's something I, I think about. It. It's uh, uh, I like the money that comes with doing this job. That's mm-hmm. an important part of it. But really, the, what really feeds me is the opportunity to tell the American story. It's a, it's a good story, and, uh, and I'm honored to do it. And thank you're good you. at telling it. Yes, you so are. There you go. Yeah, so thank you, um, Jeff Goldblum, for joining us today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm trying to think of one great Jurassic Park line that I can end. Oh, it's when he sees the big uh, pile of Triceratops turd. Ah. Right? He says, that is one big pile of S. Got but he it. doesn't say S, right? <laughs> right. So but right. on that note. <laughs> Our guest has not been Jeff Goldblum. It's been Aaron Killian from Historic America. As a reminder, Historic America tours are now available on the UC Places app, available on both Android and iPhone for free download. And for more info, check out ucplaces.com. So that's it for now. We are Mary and Shelley and today Aaron. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So long and happy touring. 